You're listening to the SBNY Podcast, an NBA Outsiders edition of the Sports Blog New York Podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, App, Google Play, SoundCloud, and also with our friends from Team Left Jab, Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Radio Network. You can find them on Blog Talk Radio as well. You may be thinking, uh, team, team Left Jab, what what are you talking about? Pacquiao or something? What? No, 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 no. Team Left Jab, our friends, wanted some New York sports and some all-over sports content, so they came to us on the Sports Blog New York podcast, and that's what we're here to do. Today, in the NBA Outsiders edition, I'm joined with my man, John Lucas Duffy. What up, dude? What up, what up, Petey? Also joined by my other guy, Frank Villani. What's up, dude? How we doing, Pete? I'm um, doing fantastic. Frank, because we just had a great lengthy conversation from everything in the NBA, from the ragtag team of misfits like the Brooklyn Nets and what they've been able to do over this past month, all the way through some of the trade rumors with Marcus All and Mike Conley. Also, a nice heated conversation yet again about James Harden and the Houston Rockets. The NBA is in a full swing, guys. It's in the full swing. The NFL is here. The Super Bowl is a, a week or two away now. And that's exciting and all, but we don't need to be here talking about referees and all this crap that's going on in the NFL talk until next week when we actually get to talk about the real Super Bowl. Uh, so for now, just some great basketball talk with Duff and Frank. How'd you guys like today's episode before uh, we, we get into it? I think we hit on a lot of cool shit, uh, a lot of stuff I personally wanted to talk about. So I think we I think we hit it out of the park, brother. Stick around to the very end if you want to hear the spiciest of DeAndre Aiden takes. It was really spicy. I mean, oh it was goodness. so it was so spicy. The DeAndre, Aiden, I actually, I didn't listen to what you just said, Duffy. I just assumed you were talking about the Harden conversation that got very spicy <clears> at the end. <laughs> but there's a very spicy nugget at the very end of the podcast about DeAndre Ayton that you will not want to miss out on, and almost uh, overlooked on today's episode was one of the the meteor conversations in the middle about Demarcus Cousins rejoining the Golden State Warriors, which has just been pretty insane to watch him actually join that team i mean first impressions duff when you saw boogie walk out in a warriors uniform like shock scared what would you think what'd you feel definitely a little scared but also just excited in a, in a cool way also so you're not out here saying like uh the nba is ruined they're gonna win no 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 and alex you'll hear well, it'll all be explained in due time. Just wait, folks. That sounds good. And uh, Frank Villani, I give you a credit because you really spearheaded the game plan for today's episode, which includes the Nets, D'Angelo Russell's great season so far, Spencer Dinwiddie, all the great role players on the Nets and how this front office really put together a team that's winning basketball games when the other team in New York, the Knicks, can't figure out how to do that. Also, like I just said, Warriors and Boogie, trade rumors, Marcus and Mike Conley, what teams could use players of that nature and then also the James Harden conversation continues on the SBNY podcast. John Gustafi, Frank Villani, I'm Pete Kennedy. Sit back, rate and review, and listen up. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast and NBA Outsiders Edition with your host, Peter Kennedy, and co-host, John Lucas Duffy and Frank Villani. What's up, my brothers? How we doing? What up, what up, PD? How we doing, fam? Ready to talk some basketball, brothers? Ready to talk some hoops with the NBA Outsiders themselves. What's up? Oh, man. I mean, 
you know, football was crazy this weekend. Let's not forget, we just had some pretty wild conference championship play. The Super Bowl set, the Patriots are in, the Rams are in. Uh, to go full circle, the Patriots played the Rams in the first Super Bowl with Tom Brady, and they're back in 2019, 18 years later, to face off again, which is just absolutely absurd. Um, Possibly the last Super Bowl with Tom Brady. That's what I'm saying. A full circle doesn't have a beginning or an end, but it may just in this case. Uh, and, you know, there's some weird parallels we could probably make here with, like, the Patriots and the Warriors and dynasties in sports and where they belong and, like, rogue baseball fans who are like, see, this is why the MLB is the best. And, like, I'm just like, uh, is it, though? Like, is that why? Because everyone watches the Super Bowl. Not yeah, I saw some weird post on like yeah. a on a baseball Instagram that was like, uh, "You never know who's going to be in in the World Series. That's why baseball is the best." Like it's that's like, not really like that's the best thing your sport has to offer. Like you really that's the platform you wanna you wanna stand on right now. Yeah, because like if I had the chance to watch you know like Mike Trout or like Clayton Kershaw, which he actually has been two in a row now, but if you get to see these best guys in the World Series, that would be a lot better. You know, every year rather than yeah. watching Joe Schmo. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying baseball's bad. It's just like that's a weird thing to be like, yeah, this is why we're the best. It's like, oh, is it? Like, is that what makes the sport great? Right. Is that what you want to stand about? Like weird flex, but okay, you know. But we're not exactly. Gonna, we're not exactly. Gonna, <laughs> we're not going to get into that too deep right now. We don't need to make these parallels. We also don't need to complain for like the next 45 minutes about referees blowing the game and the Saints and whatever, all that stuff. Because let's be real, it's happening across every podcast, every show, every radio show uh, across America right now, and you're not coming to us for that. So we're here to talk hoops, Frank, right? We're here to talk some hoops. And uh, I have to give you a shout because you really, you came through clutch with the game plan today, Frank. For our podcast, it's our first one in in over a week now. You, You were pumped up for it. You came, you came in hot in the group chat with a bunch of ideas, and, and we're rolling with it. So what have you been excited about? Give us a little rundown of what we're going to talk about today. So I'll just give a little preface to even why I've been – I've just been in the NBA like th- this is my stretch, you know. Like some people get the midseason woes or whatever, but uh, I'm, I'm finally hitting my stride. I'm working a little bit extra, so I've just been having the games on my phone on the side while I'm working. And – uh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of entertaining stuff going on. I mean, the stuff that I highlighted, uh, Nets, Nets have been balling. Their their two guards have been showing out. I'm sure you know you don't need me to say their names. We'll hit on that in a little bit. Uh, the Warriors just got Boogie back, and you know it's 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 not materializing into like what this team will be with Boogie at full strength, but it's still fun to watch. Uh, it's kind of scary to watch. Uh, we got some trade rumors finally. The the Grizzlies are open to giving up on this season, which I think we can all applaud because those pieces can help elsewhere. Shout then, out, Woach. Uh, we talked about it last week a little bit. We're going to get back to it. But uh, watching James Harden on a nightly basis and and what, what kind of entertainment value that brings and if there's a valid argument against him, uh, which, you know, not to not to reveal too much, but I think, I think it is something to be revisited. And it's going to be something that we will be revisiting until he calms down. Like, he's just been out of his mind the past what's it been I mean the 30 point streaks at 18 games now he's had a number of 40 point games in there we know he had two 50 point games almost a third when he went to overtime uh was it against the Lakers last week I think it was against yeah it was against the Lakers and he had 48 points for like a minute left in overtime with free throws coming up and he basically deferred to Eric Gordon which some would say like is he not confident is he not clutch does he not want it 
I wouldn't say that. I would think he knew Eric Gordon kind of had the touch right there, and he's willing to give up his chance at 50 points. Like, it wasn't even that close. He could have easily missed the free throw, still got to 50 with all the free throws they got at the end of that game, and he gave it up, a chance at 50. So he always says the right things at the end of games. He seems to do a lot of things well, James Harden, but there is still this question, is it sustainable? Will it mean another MVP and an early playoff exit? It's all stuff we're going to consider as we move on through this NBA Outsiders episode. But, Frank, I want to open up with the Nets conversation that you kind of prefaced there. So the two guards that you wet left unnamed, they deserved the shouts. And that that was uh, that's D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, these two guys have been fantastic, especially D'Angelo Russell. I don't know if we fully expected this from Russell because we always knew he had the talent. He was a second pick for a reason, but he's got the Nets playing above 500 basketball. It's impressive. Duff, you said you've been hearing some you know, Nets fan appreciation out in public lately, and that's not something that people usually brag about. So what's to love about these Nets right now? Yeah, a lot of buzz. A lot of buzz at work about the Nets, which is really weird to say out loud. Um, especially, I work in an office where there really aren't too many big basketball fans, I would say. Like, my boss played basketball in college, but like since he's had kids, he doesn't follow sports anymore. Um, but there was a, a guy I worked with, and he turned to me and he knows I like basketball. He's like, so what's up with these nets? I was like, yeah, they've been on a crazy streak, like 16 and five over the last 21, something like that. Like, you know, 15 and six, whatever it is. And he was like, man, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about putting some money down on them to win the finals. I go, what? Hold up. Wait a minute. Rewind that real quick. Why do you want to do that? And he was like, what? like, why not? Like they, they have like 700 to one odds. I was like, it's like, do you know how many teams would have to like die in a plane crash for them to have a chance to win the finals? He's like, but what? Like, if it hits, I'll make so much money. I'm like, dude, relax. He's like, what? My friend put uh, money down on the on the Rockets, or no, not the the Magic to win at like two thousand to one odds. And I was like, what's this guy doing? They're two thousand to one for a reason, my guy. Like, watch a game before you start saying crazy stuff to me like that. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Duff, that's when you tell him. You go, all right, actually, I have a site, and I can get you uh, 25000 to one odds. Just give me the 100 bucks. I'll put it on for you. And Yeah. yeah just, <laughs> just say, the site is actually at John Lucas Duffy on Venmo, yeah. and if you just hit that, like, I got it. It's, 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 very, it's a very credible site. No, always leave it to fans to just take it to a whole new level. Like, I mean, there's even Knicks accounts out there who are on Twitter, Instagram, and do like an fantastic job breaking down players telling us what you need to know about the teams i mean you gotta love these sites right but then they'll take one play from frank neil Aquina's game where he shot two of 11 had six points and two assists and be like look at the the ball movement and the way he can finish this one shot like yeah but he also was two for 11 and had a horrible game otherwise so like i uh, thank you but uh, it's a reach and thank putting, you next putting oh, the yeah. nets to win the championship is a huge reach but you can't deny that they've been extremely fun they've beaten really good teams and uh they're kind of like the anti knicks at this point right like they didn't have draft picks they made the horrible trade kind of like the knicks but they've put it all together piece by piece and really uh from a holistic team effort standpoint something the knicks haven't been able to do frank what have you been enjoying about these guys uh, I mean, I've been watching them for longer than I care to admit, you know, you, even in their years of, you know, really bad play. But they just have what we've been searching for is, as a Knicks fan base for a while. They, they've 
established a culture under Kenny Atkinson. And uh, I'm forgetting the name of their GM right now. But, Sean, uh, Sean Marks. Another, yeah, Marks from uh, another pop disciple, right? Um, but besides that, did they just have a culture in Brooklyn and they play a style of basketball and it's more than just about the players on the court and it shows they thrive in the system and they play hard every night and it's, it's paid off this year. They're 500. Finally, they're above 500. So it's fun to watch. And the late game antics and in these games have been just like off the charts. It's been deloading some nights. It's been Dinwiddie most nights, but Man, they've been blowing up in fourth quarters and just scoring like fifteen plus points in in the fourth. It's it's fun to watch, man. Can't what deny. game? What game was it recently? Where Spencer Dinwiddie he hit three threes in like the last ninety seconds? That was against the Rockets. That was insane. It was crazy. That was oh, that was the game I was I was watching at work, and I I was on my way home. I was like, who won? And you told me the Nets won. I was like, what the fuck? What the kind of over? Like, what fourth quarter did I just walk out on? I felt, yeah, like, so ashamed. I'm pretty sure my text was uh, Harden drops 50, 58 and still loses. And we had to, like, go back and look. He didn't even score 58. He didn't do much in overtime. They just doubled him a bunch and and didn't what he did what he did at the end of regulation. He went crazy to get him to overtime, and then he kind of just finished it off. It was and wild he's been, like – He's been one of our favorite players to watch for a couple seasons now. Like when uh, D'Angelo Russell, he he went down last season. And then Spencer Dinwiddie, I think he had like a real big game against LeBron and the Cavs early in the year. We're like, all right, this is a dude to watch. And his his contract now, I want to, I know it's a bargain. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. I think it's a couple about. years for like 35 or 45. Like it's not a crazy contract. I know, yeah, so uh, next year it kicks in. He's making 10, 11, and then he's got a player option for 12. I mean, in 21, damn, 22. That's, a good contract. that's such a good contract. Woj actually had him on like a week after he signed that extension with the Brooklyn Nets. And it was a fascinating conversation because Spencer Dinwiddie's path here has been one of those like you need you need time to like even comprehend it where he had a chance to either go to Colorado or Harvard to play college basketball. Not two basketball powerhouses chose Colorado uh, with their chances of getting him to the NBA over Harvard. Ended up going down with a brutal injury. Went into the draft anyway. Totally dropped in the draft. Uh, went through the G League. Multiple teams. Didn't make the Bulls. Was on the Pistons. Then got cut by the Pistons. Picked up by the Nets. It was one of those crazy stories that you really need to like sink your teeth in to even follow it. And then Jeremy, he's like Lin. a he's like a less lesser known Sean Livingston. Exactly, and like kind of like uh, yeah. And you said D'Angelo Russell last year got hurt. Jeremy Lin was also a Brooklyn Net last year, got hurt, and that was kind of the only reason he even got a chance to play. And it's just yeah. crazy how if those things don't happen, is the possible sixth man of the year and third place uh, most improved player last year still not found a chance in the NBA? So things really had to go his way. But goddamn, has he ceased? The opportunity. He's, a, he's amazing it's, to watch. His confidence is through the roof. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned how, like, tenuous his path to the NBA was because I, I knew of Spencer Dinwiddie, like, a while ago, you know, but I never really put any stock into it. But I always knew him because, like, when you do your fantasy drafts in 2K, the last the last couple of rounds, you know, you want to you wanna try and stock up on uh, potential and, and young guys. And, like, he would be, like, a 54 overall, but, like, with a B potential, you know? <laughs> so, like, with your 12th pick, you'd be like, yeah, why not? I'll give this Spencer Dinwiddie dude a shot. And then, six, five, six, you know, six. 
yeah, five years later, and he's this guy that you know about, and probably every team in the NBA would kill to have. Yeah, solid rotational guard who can run your second unit, and now he's like a he's like a fringe like starter in the NBA. Like, uh, actually, no, no, I, I would say yeah, I he's definitely he's a starter yeah, in the NBA because yeah. I would definitely rather have him over like Jeff Teague or Reggie Jackson. And people talk about like Scary Terry as being like uh, he could start somewhere else. Like, or the Orlando Magic would move the franchise to Seattle if they could have Spencer Din- <laughs> Dinwiddie run a point. Like, they would do anything <laughs> um, to have that man. There's nothing I love more than moving franchises to Seattle. Like, it's one of my favorite like, pastimes. Oh. <laughs> when it it's happens, I don't know what I'm ever going to talk about again. Once it finally happens, I don't know what we're going to talk about on this podcast. We're going to get someone to Vancouver. Now, honestly, though, after our team goes to Seattle, we need an NBA franchise in Vegas. Let's be honest. Yes. I mean, NBA is already all about uh, the gambling, right? Fact. They're not going to do it until they get that 1% tax. Oh, they'll get it. That's nerd. That's nerd-ish. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, back to back to basketball. Uh, you mentioned like Reggie Jackson. It's funny, especially because Reggie Jackson's on the Pistons, and Dinwiddie was once a Detroit Piston member. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know what the Pistons would do to a get off Reggie Jackson's contract that they can't even get off if they like attach picks to it. It's that bad right now. Nobody wants it. Like to pay Spencer Dinwiddie what they're paying. Like it would be absolutely incredible. Uh, and we'll talk about D'Angelo Russell in just a second, too, because I think he kind of deserves his own little section of fanfare here on this podcast. But let's talk about some of these role players, because there's a number of guys here who you may not know much about, who Duffy and I may have talked about a couple months back when we did our uh, Knicks-Nets draft. We put one team together with the best of the best. Um, from The both, new net Knicks. The new net Knicks, exactly, from the best of the New York franchises. Maybe we should have leaned to a couple more Nets, because I think we were 50-50 on that spread there. But guys mm-hmm. like Joe Harris, guys like Jared Allen, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and the rookie Rodion's Karutz, who's just been absolutely sensational for a rookie since he entered the starting lineup. The Nets have been on this tear almost in line with his insertion to the starting lineup. What a backdoor slasher. Dude, the backdoor slashing, the slashing, the, the oh euro step, the corner threes, that guy's good. Like, Rodion's Karutz, second-round pick, you may not know much about him, but if you're in New York, turn on a Nets game, you will see him make an impact. It's incredible. The hash slinging slasher. And the, the, the Phil Jackson's one spot of genius with the New York Knicks and finding Kristaps Porzingis in a little Latvian village has also netted the Nets, Rodion's Kruks. Who is Latvian, Latvia. correct. Yes. Yep. But also, they found him in the next little town over in Latvia. <laughs> Did you hear about this guy's story, though, with his European team? No. So Rodion's Karutz was projected by many scouts or you know NBA draft nerds to be a first round talent. And uh, entering, I think like his 18 year old season over in Spain, he signed with Barcelona, the same team that Kristaps Porzingis, Willie Hernan Gomez uh, played for. But whatever happened with his contract, and Luka and Luka Doncic and did Luka was Barcelona? No, he wasn't he Madrid? Oh, he's Madrid. I'm he's sorry. Madrid. Close enough. I but, apologize. Uh, Karutz, something happened with his uh, with his contract where he actually got signed by the B team and wasn't playing with their number one team in their in their high league in Spain. So he totally got buried. Scouts forgot about him, and that is basically the sole reason he dropped to a second round. And the Nets were smart enough to take that chance and to pick him up. And he might be second team All Rookie this year, which is a crazy story. That is a crazy story. I can't believe was that like an accident on the part of uh, Barcelona? I, I no. So I, the thing that I heard is he 
like they they wanted him to take like a more team friendly contract or something like that. And he would like get his minutes and all this stuff. And he's like, no, I want more. And he was being really difficult about it. And they're like, all right, fuck you. You can go to the B team. Like, because Euro teams, they don't care if you're young and development. It's just like, we got to win right now. And that's why the Luca thing was so impressive. Uh And he really just bet on himself, even though no one had heard of him. And now he makes it to the NBA and he takes the whole league by storm. Not the whole league, but he takes New York by storm. At least Brooklyn. Yeah. And he's going to be making less than $2 million a year until. 2023 yeah so and he's only shooting 34 percent from three but which is a solid little number but like you said as a rookie like that's a that's solid fine. little number for sure and it's a good it's a good starting point absolutely sure. over 90 percent from free throw a great slasher as we can as we've seen and he the guy can throw down a little bit his athletic switchability great future looking for rodeon's karoots love that uh but also i want to talk about he's like if hazonia was good <laughs> pretty much I mean, God damn it, that hurts. He's got a similar skill set, uh, and he's and he's similar size. He might even be a little bit taller. He's like the and who's wait who's your who's your boy from the Magic? From the Magic, Evan Fournier. Yes. Now you're just doing the Euro thing. That's just rude. Yeah, no, I did slasher. That's get, all I used oh, to used okay. to talk about him all the time. Get, man. get out of the Euros, Discord. Man. Get out of Discord, Duff. That was rude. No, Mute come yourself. on. Dude, are you are you listeners are offended right now? Yeah. yeah. Be offended by Pete. Pete used to say it all the time. He liked uh what's his name? For- I can't even ever remember his name. Evan Fournier. Fournier is a good scorer. That's it. He's a, just, that's it. He's just, just buckets, but like I want no, you know what I said in the preseason? I cause uh, the magic can't find a point guard to save their lives. I said just put the ball in Evan Fournier's hands and make him the super poor man's European James Harden. And honestly, it may not be a bad idea still. I can do some things on the offensive end. I'm just saying. At this point, fuck it. Like, <laughs> they can't who's going to be a worse point guard? <laughs> DJ Augustine or Evan Fournier? Just give, give him the ball, you know? Give him the ball. They need to update his picture on basketball reference. He's still got hair. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the Madu going. Um, another guy who actually has a great head of hair and a fantastic beard at the moment is Joe Harris of the Brooklyn Nets. And speaking Joe about Nader. slashers, Joe Harris, sneaky slasher, looked at as a shooter. Because he shoots forty-seven percent from three, which is absolutely insane. But that dude, Joe Harris, has some skills on the court. And Duff, when you and I did this podcast, I got I got came at from uh, people I know on Twitter saying Joe Harris, like, what are you talking about? The new net Nets, new net Knicks are trash. They're not a playoff team. Like, who are these guys you're picking up from the Nets? Joe Harris has proven that he's one of those dudes who can play. I mean, thirteen points, three rebounds, three assists, forty-seven percent on five threes a game. That's really good. Is there a yeah, team in the league it, who doesn't want him? And you had to tell me who he was. I didn't even know who Joe Harris was, honestly. I was like, who the fuck is that? Like, what are you talking about? And no, uh, since then, I've re- like really paid attention to him. And I told this story last time on the pod where Kelly Oubre was like talking shit to him after Joe Harris had already torched him once. And like... Oh he he just plays. He just does his job. 30 minutes of solid basketball. Like he's not a great defender, but he's pretty good and he will knock down any open shot. Like I can't I have to look up his catch and shoot numbers. He's probably shooting like 55% like some stupid Clay Thompson type numbers. He also specializes in the uh transition like running threes too. He's a, he's money on those as well. It's like JJ Redick leaners. He's he's just a good overall player. He really is. Um, yeah, it's kind of overall indicative. Like the Nets, 
have all these guys that you may not have heard of, but they've developed them, and they all have a tangible skill that translates to today's NBA. And uh, it's showing. It's showing on the court. They're they're beating teams that a lot of people thought they probably couldn't. And uh, it's fun to watch while they do it. I mean, we didn't even we we mentioned them, but we haven't even talked about Jared Allen. Jared Allen has blocked like. Pretty much anybody that has a cool mixtape of dunks in the NBA, he's blocked them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it doesn't mean everything, but he's a solid rim protector, and he's young. He's probably part of the core moving forward. Oh, he's Absolutely. Definitely, he's definitely part of it. I mean, he's 20 years old. He's averaging 11 points, nine, nine rebounds, a couple blocks a game. Got a sick afro. Wears a samurai oh headband. God. Like, what more can you Absolute ask for? dynamite afro. Last, last year, I went to the Big East tournament, like uh, the semifinal game. And I was talking to Dante Cunningham, who was there, who played who played at Nova with my brother. And this was right after he got traded from the from New Orleans to Brooklyn. And I was like, man, I gotta tell you guys, like me and my friends, we love watching the Nets. Like you guys play so hard. Kenny Atkinson really's got you guys going in the right direction. Like it seems like there's really a culture there. It's it, it's like you guys. You're in every game, and in the fourth quarter, it seems like the wheels kind of come off. Like, what's up with that? He's like, we're we're up in every third quarter. If you watch our games, we're up in every third quarter, and we just can't we're, like we're, we're, we struggle to close it out. And I go, like, what's the issue? Because like to me, it just seems like you need a guy, and, and you just like need some like star quality player who's just going to carry you over the finish line towards the end when when you really have to grind to get buckets. And he's like, that's exactly it. But if you give it some time, like. He's like seriously, like these these young dudes coming up now, like just just give us some time and it, and it'll be there. And he was right. Like we're and, we're starting to see that come to yeah. fruition. And, and even as as early as this season, like as much as I love Bill Simmons, he tweeted out like the Nets are like an abomination in the like in the fourth quarter and all this that like they should be embarrassed. And since that time, like that's when they started the crazy run of going like fifteen and five or sixteen and five, whatever they are. Yeah, and another thing that I mean, even myself included, like. I fail to realize sometimes during this stretch that they're going on is like people pretty commonly agreed that their best player was Karis LeVert and they haven't had him this entire time. Great point. So, you know, it's like, it just goes to show kind of the point we, the points we've been making, but the, the point too, like they just, they develop across the board and all these guys that they bring in, you know, maybe they're not superstars, but they're of, they're of NBA quality and they get them, in a position to succeed in the NBA. And it's like, it's fun to watch. Like I would take almost any player off the Nets roster right now. I don't know how many, you know, I would say like, no, they're all pretty much trending upward. And the difference between the Knicks and the Nets over the past five years or so is four years is just like any sort of long-term plan and committing to that plan and really having it well thought out. And the, the Nets have made some moves like since they gave up on Garnett and Pierce, where they're people are like, like, what are they even doing? I guess they're just going to eat all this bad money. Like Prokhorov might want to sell the team now, and 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 all this stuff's happening, and they're just taking on Alan Krabs and Damari Carrolls, and we're like, we'll take your bad contracts and your picks, take your bad contracts and your prospects, and we're just going to take the good with the bad, and that's how they get D'Angelo Russell. And we're we're just gonna try to make something of it because the money, you know, the contracts will run out. But if we keep our assets and we build slowly and we don't give anything of our own up in return, we'll be okay. And let's yeah, th- let's think about now. this too, Duff, because you make a really good point there. 
Their draft picks who they've hit on include Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Rodion's Karuts, who's a second-round pick, and the guy they picked in the first round this year, who actually has been hurt, hasn't got a chance to play, they picked over Karuts. His name's Zanin Musa, another Euro guy who has a great shot, uh, decent little size for a guard, and uh, can really put the ball in the hoop. He hasn't even played yet. They made something out of nothing with these late first-round picks, these second-round picks. They did what so many teams fail to do and find talent late in the draft. Every year you go through a draft, and, you know, if you're lucky, a couple of the top five guys are good. There's going to be some busts in there. There's always a couple mid-teens guys, some 20 guys, and maybe one or two second-rounders who really pan out. And the Nets have now connected on two 20s uh, in Levert and Jared Allen, and now a 40-something pick in Rodion's Karutz is very impressive. And we haven't even really talked about D'Angelo Russell yet, who they basically said, yeah, Lakers, you don't want him. You think he's immature? Let's put him in a system. Let's make. Let's let him mature. Let's let him become the player who we all know he could be. And now we're talking about D'Angelo Russell as a possible all-star in the Eastern Conference. And granted, the East is much weaker than the West. We get it. But 19 points, six and a half assists. Guys hitting big threes down the game. His uh, points per game have been trending upward over the past month or so. And that's a guy who we we just went, we talked about that for 20 minutes right now. And we hardly mentioned possibly their best player, their future. Uh, cornerstone point guard in D'Angelo Russell. It's really an impressive job by by their uh, front office staff. And shout out Frank last year saying we had a bet going like who's going to be an all-star first, Jalen Brown or uh, D'Angelo Russell. And I picked Jalen Brown and Frank was just like full on standing for uh, D'Angelo Russell. So shout out Frank for that one. Because it looks like it's it looks like it's coming to fruition. This the, season, the rare <laughs> Duff shout out to Frank. I love to hear it. Wow, yeah, respect. I, we're all about respect I, this I, season. I didn't expect that, and to be honest, I kind of forgot about that conversation. But um, now we're back to it. I mean, it's also it's also like a it's because of circumstance. I think if Jalen Brown, you know, had a bigger role on his team, he'd probably have a good chance too. But Besides that, I mean, yeah, it's impressive to see what, how far he's come in just the past two years compared to where he was. You know, he was like an exciting young player to now he's just a player, you know. He's a, he's a player. He's a legitimate all-star. NBA talent who's like who, whose talent is really starting to blossom. He's the classic case of let's get this guy out of his situation, change the scenery, put the ball in his hands, let him grow, and good things have happened. Like The Nets have really executed their plan to perfection in terms of getting that top-tier talent and just letting him grow, then hitting on all those draft picks like you're talking about, Pete, because they had to cherish them so, so badly because they were were either losing their picks or getting pick-swapped with the Celtics, and they needed to hit on... All of those, essentially, because they recognize that, look, we're Brooklyn. We're not going to bank on any free agents coming here until we have our shit together and we can show them that we're a well-run organization who who has a plan and a long-term goal of winning. And this is what they've done, and they're building their case now. And if they get into the playoffs and really put up a fight, um, push a series to six or seven games, and then you, you show the people out there, hey, we're the Clippers of the East. Like, come play with us. We got cap space. For real. They got a lot of cap space. And with all this great stuff we're saying about the Nets, they will be in position this summer to land a marquee free agent, possibly two. 
And you know what? It's not easy for a Brooklyn Nets or uh, L.A. Clippers to always land that free agent that they want. But if you look at some of these people, you know, the New York market's not a joke. The Nets are playing a good brand of basketball. Maybe one of these guys will just choose the Nets. But they need to move on. I think we talked about the Nets a little longer than we even expected there. But basically, to shout out them, they're currently sitting at sixth in the Eastern Conference, two games above 500. Uh, the, the Celtics are in fifth four and a half games above, so that's pretty much out of reach at the moment, but if they continue on the way, the path they're on, they they can uh, really solidify that spot in the playoffs, so it's pretty cool to see what they're doing, but let's continue to talk about circumstance here, because that's going to be a trend now, moving forward through our conversation here on the NBA Outsiders podcast, um, and circumstance is a big reason why this former All-Star ended up on the team he's on, and that's DeMarcus Cousins. Frank mentioned it in the open he is a Golden State Warrior, and it's kind of weird to wrap your hands around it and really sink your teeth into it, but he's out there running out with Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Iguodala, Steve Kerr as coach, and Boogie freaking Cousins. Granted, his shot's not completely crisp yet, but he's made some big threes. He's made some nice passes. His rebounding is going to be legit. Duff, what was your first impressions of seeing this former All-Star and possibly future All-Star with the way his Achilles is holding up so far? What are you thinking about Boogie Cousins, the Warrior? I don't know. Like it, 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 it's interesting the way you put it about wrapping your head around it. Because if I'm, I, I try to put myself in the mindset of the teams like that they're playing against. And if you're the Clippers or the Lakers, who are riddled with injuries right now, what do you do about trying to guard that team? Like, how, how do you how do you guard? The, the Warriors starting five at this point when Steph, Clay, Kevin Durant, Draymond, and Boogie Cousins, like, wh- like, what do you do? Like, the way you hear people talk about LeBron James is, you know, everyone's like, who's going to be the LeBron stopper? Who's going to be that Kawhi Leonard piece or whoever, right? But, like, that person doesn't exist, and everything you hear is from, from people inside the NBA. It takes five people to guard LeBron James. It takes five people to guard Le- LeBron. What does it take, like, eight or nine to guard the Warriors starting five? Like, what could you possibly do? If they played six on five, I really don't know that I would pick against them at this point. Like, <laughs> I, that might that. sound stupid, but I, I don't know. If, if this plays out how it looks like it's going to play out, where Boogie, they don't really need him to exert himself and do too much. Like, two weeks down the line, he might play himself into shape or get some run during the All-Star break. Like, he might really be, like... The third, uh, the, the fourth best player in the team ahead of Draymond. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. Think about too, the, like, oh my, Boogie Cousins, fourth best player on the team. What the, the question fuck? you asked, like, uh, I know it was hypothetical, but I'm like sitting here actually thinking about like what what would I do as another NBA team, and I would just pretend like Draymond isn't even there. Give him the Thabo Cephalosha treatment or the Andre Roberson treatment. Just let him go fucking rogue anywhere he wants in the court. Let him go. That's what I would do personally, but even that probably wouldn't work. Because you're talking about the guy who leads the Warriors in assists, and Draymond Green. I mean, we can make fun of his offensive game all we want. The fact of the matter is, he averages six assists a game <laughs> for a no, reason. Yeah, no, that's like, I'm not. I'm not trying to say like he's such a huge slouch. Like, let him get whatever he wants. But like, in the grand scheme of things, you know, like I don't know. When I grew up, whenever we played a good team, it was always like a box and one defense, one on one against the best guy, and then anybody helps in the zone. And the Warriors flipped that on the head. It was like, all right, four guys, and then we'll just leave one guy kind of in the middle. And now you can't do that. Like, you know, 
it's 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 beyond wild. And you know what's, um, what I've been thinking about now too. What have we heard about this Warriors team when it comes to the biggest games in the playoff series? You hear about the death lineup, right? Before Kevin Durant came, it was with Harrison Barnes, Iguodala, Draymond, Steph, and Clay. Obviously, insert Kevin Durant for Harrison Barnes. That's a pretty good uh, trade-off for the Warriors, right? Well, now they're also possibly inserting DeMarcus Cousins for a 38-year-old Andre Iguodala. <laughs> I mean, can you get better? Like, can you do a better like, job replacing one person? I, I don't think you could. It honestly feels like, you know, you just turned uh, reject trades off and made the team you wanted to make. Seriously. And wait, I got to ask you guys a question here because I know I was a d- defender of this happening. When when the news broke on Twitter, NBA Twitter really blew up and said DeMarcus Cousins ruined the NBA, yada, yada, yada. And I was extremely adamant in defending Boogie because of his situation. We were talking about circumstances a minute ago. My man had a torn Achilles. His own team that he was on wasn't willing to offer a contract that he appreciated. So he said, well, let me see what else is out there. And it turned out not much else was out there. He took a one-year, pretty much veteran minimum deal for where he was at in his career to play with a team that is 99.9% going to be in the NBA Finals again to prove he can be a team player, to prove he can do other things on the court than score and uh, put up gaudy numbers. And right now he's going to be able to prove he's a great passer, he can be a team player, he's not selfish, and he can play defense uh, down the stretch of meaningful games because he's never been in the playoffs. He's never played a playoff game before. So Yeah, actually... I was, it's like, funny you say that. Uh, I was sorry to cut you off. Continue. No, I was just going to say, like, I really stood out and said, like, you can't blame Boogie for this. He didn't have a ton of other options. You can't blame him for taking this one. It is the best opportunity for him, if he's being selfish for his career, to flip it into a big contract next year, which most likely won't be with the Warriors. So, yeah. how do you guys feel now? Like, do you feel like. The people who said, oh, you ruined the NBA. Does that hold weight If for you're you, one of those people no? like who say the Warriors and Boogie and Kevin Durant ruined the NBA, you look at your fucking team who had cap space and like you yell at them, okay? Because there are 29 other teams in the league that could have had these players, especially Boogie, who's playing for like $5 million this year on a mid-level exception. Like you could have had Boogie Cousins on your team for 6 or $7 million. Think about that. Yeah, and your and team didn't do it. The, the I just wanted to piggyback off the points Pete was making about the chance. I, it kind of sort of chance he's taken on himself, although it's like a low risk one because, like you said, there wasn't much being offered out there anyway. But I feel like this one year in Golden State is already starting to dispel some of like the most common uh, jabs you see thrown at Boogie. And like one of the things I'll say to that is like he looks happy on the basketball court, which I can't always say I could like, is the case for Boogie. Like I definitely was frustrated watching him previously because it just looked like, man, this guy's so much talent and this, that, the other, and just like a miserable person out there. Like, I don't know how to, how to explain it adequately, but no, I I agree. I agree. Happy. He looks like, like relieved to be part of a team almost, which I, I couldn't say in the past about him. And it's like change. It's reshaping the image around Boogie. And like you said, he's probably going to get paid. You know, if he continues to progress to the point where he was before he is now, like before he was injured, like he's already playing good ball and he's been back for two days. You know, he's got to get his head straight. He's got to not foul out and shit like that. But like, 
man, he's on a minutes restriction and he's still doing some pretty good things. So uh, that team is just scary. Like I said in the in the beginning, it's just scary. Not many other ways to put it. And the big thing for him really is going to be defense, right? Because even when he was with New Orleans last year, it felt like Anthony Davis was making up for some of his defensive woes. Obviously in Sacramento, he never did enough defensively to lift that team to even be respectable. So now when it comes to this death lineup and it comes to a Warriors team that is pretty incredible defensively, you know, everyone likes talking about their offense, but we easily forget that they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. Like, does Boogie hurt that when they really run into a team like the Rockets who just murder the pick and roll? Or they run into LeBron James murdering the pick and roll? Or, uh, you know, the Thunder with Westbrook and Paul George? What does Boogie look like as a defender there? You know, so that's really where he needs to answer the most questions, probably, because I don't think anyone's going to be shocked when his offensive game just shows what it is and is incredible. He could shoot, he can pass, he can get to the rim, he can post up. All that stuff we could kind of expect as long as the the foot looked okay. Can he move on defense? Can he handle the pick and roll? Can he be the fifth member of the death lineup? Can their death lineup just be their starting lineup? Like that, it, It's all questions that are going to be answered. And as much as it does kind of stink sometimes to say they're a shoe-in for the finals, it's fascinating to watch. And I challenge anybody to say that they don't want to see that team play at the highest level or find a team whether it be the Thunder, the Rockets, the Celtics or Raptors or Bucks to put them at uh put them up against the wall and really test them cuz that's what I want to see. I want to see one of these other teams give their best shot at the Warriors. That's what we need to do. That's the same thing with football and the Patriots. Like you can complain about the Patriots being the Super Bowl again, but if the Rams put them on the brinks and maybe win it like the Eagles do, goddamn that's going to be exciting. And if the yeah. Celtics make it to the finals and put the Warriors in their place, God damn, that's going to be exciting. So I don't complain about it. I'm all in on it. It's exciting to me to watch. And Boogie's been uh, a reason for me to turn the Warriors on. Yeah, yeah. One, one last point, and then we can move on on Boogie. Like when people, to Frank's point about how he's like a bad guy, bad teammate, you know, all that stuff. He's on his eighth coach in like seven seasons. Think about that. He's had eight coaches in seven seasons. Yeah, and he likes And next year he's going to get his ninth. Possible. You know, it's just totally bizarre. Yeah. And uh, the other point I wanted to make is uh, real quick. Shaq posted something on his Instagram the other day about uh, a Lakers team he was on. It was him, Kobe, uh, Nick Van Exel, and maybe one other all-star. Forget exactly who. But um, and the, the other half of the picture was John Stockton and Carl Malone. And basically the whole gist of the post was, you know, like just because there's a team with all these all-star doesn't mean, doesn't mean they're the best team because the jazz kicked our uh, Jack's perspective. He's saying the jazz kicked our ass with way less talent, but they were the best and excuse my friends, but he said they were the best fucking team he ever played. And, you know, I think something like that, that's what it's going to take to, to be the warriors. It's not going to be a team that's going to out talent them. To be honest, nobody's going to do that, not at this point right now. Right. But I think with all the pieces that come and go with them and will probably continue to come and go with them because they have so much, you know, star power and you can't afford to pay all these guys for the long haul, like, you know, you can out-team them probably. And I don't know. I, I definitely see this year, like, uh, you know, I'm, we're saying all this stuff about them being unstoppable, but more so than in years past, they have more – more moving pieces this year than in the past. So I think, you know, maybe you can out-team them, but 
And one Man. of the most impressive Dude. things about the Warriors this whole run is that they actually are a team themselves. And they don't uh-huh. play they don't play like a bunch of individuals. They play like a team. And that's the um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh mm, Infectious, the infectious yeah. team style that Steph plays and Clay plays, and even Draymond, Kevin Durant play, and Steve Kerr uh, influences. So you know what? It's going to be interesting, and that's why we looked at a team like the Celtics, who may be that type of team who can really just buy into each other and make sure they do all the little things. They haven't done it this year, but I'm not giving up on them yet. Same with the Raptors, same with the Bucks, and they obviously the Bucks have Giannis, and we're going to get into them. Giannis and, and Harden in, in a little bit, but let's keep it moving for, for now and get off the Warriors, even though they really are a fascinating discussion we're going to keep talking about for the rest of the year. There also is some some new players now who Woj just uh, enlightened us are available, and they're two, well, one former All-Star and Defensive Player of the Year, and one other guy who uh, has somehow not made an All-Star team in his career, even though he's but had But has had multiple All-Star caliber campaigns. Correct. And I, think, that's, I think it's the right way to put it, right? Correct. And that's Mike Conley and Marcus All. So Woj announced that the Grizzlies are willing to listen to trade offers for those two franchise cornerstones for them. Obviously, Gasol's making a lot of money with free agency coming sooner, and Mike Conley's making more money with free agency coming a little later. But these guys are available, and there are some obvious candidates who we think should target them. So who can we imagine the Grizzlies making a move with and what team would benefit most by pulling the trigger on a Conley or a Gasol? So this is like complete fantasy land, but uh, and it's mainly because of you know what's transpired, not even a need or whatever. But the Rockets and Chris Paul being hurt all year, I could just see Mike Conley on that Rockets team, you know, helping James Harden out. He what does he have like 150 unassisted field goals in the past five games or something absurd like that? Adding another fringe all-star point guard on that team, someone to help him handle the ball a little bit, give him a little bit of a break. Uh, I think that would be, you know, that that would put on, in my opinion, that would put the Rockets back at least where they were last year. And the only, and, uh, he's also the issue with defense. that is making the money match. Cause right. Mike Conley is making $30 million a year for the next three years. I mean, and, even even this that, like, what pieces what pieces can the Rockets move that they don't really need right now? And there really isn't many. They would guys need a thirteen. They would yeah, need they a thirteen to make else, the money work. This is like that's why I kind of preface it by saying like pure fantasy land. Well, but, they could do the Jimmy Butler thing where they just give like four picks and then I don't. But like I don't know what that thirteen gets back if they're giving all their picks to the Grizzlies. I mean, maybe they split them up and that thirteen gives a couple picks. Whoever that team might be, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, Duff, let me ask you this question, and you could you could take contracts into consideration if you'd like to. Who, to you, has more value to these contender teams or these fringe contender teams like the Blazers, like the Thunder, like maybe the Pacers or Celtics or whoever, whoever you want to consider here? Which player, Conley or Gasol, has more value? Simply, just leave it at that. Uh, I think... Conley has more value, especially in the long term, because, okay, the money is what it is. Like $30 million is a lot of fucking money for a guy who's never been an all-star. Um, Marcus Saul is older. Big men tend to age like worse less than guards. Yeah. yeah. Less gracefully. And uh, I think you don't need to trade for, 
a, a center who's making $24 million. Like Clint Capella is making 15 and he's one of the best centers in the league. You know, like that contract is just so out of whack in terms yeah. of his position and, and, and how much money he's making and his productivity. So I think it, it's easier to find, you know, would I rather be paying Kevon Looney like $2 million or Marcus Hall 24? Like it's no question Kevon Looney $2 million yeah, in my mind. I think of too is like Aaron Baines. How much more do you want Marcus All than Aaron Baines that you'd pay him that much more? Oh man, it's uh, I, I the contracts are just so tough know, on these two I, guys. I totally get that, and it's so weird because if we talked about the Grizzlies like literally two or three weeks ago, we would be thinking completely differently about these two guys because three weeks ago I I wouldn't because I know for a fact we did talk about these guys like two months ago, and I was like, they've, the frauds. They've They're lost pretenders. like 17 of 20 or if something you, crazy. If you like thought that. they were good, you've been had, took, bamboozled, <laughs> led astray, run amok, and I'm sick of these Memphis Grizzlies, but continue. <laughs> you sound like Ja Rule in his post about the fire festival. Well, Ja Rule sounds like Stephen A. Smith. And Stephen <laughs> A. Smith sounds like Denzel Washington from Malcolm X, okay? Let's just all move on. <laughs> I'm just saying, because like if we talked about this a month ago, they hadn't lost 17 at 21 or whatever this horrible streak has been, and they were, you know, on the fringe of the playoffs. And Conley was possibly an All Star this year, finally. And now they're not a good team. They have no future with this with this cornerstone or these these cornerstones. And, and it kind of it kind of makes me look at these guys a little different. Like I love Mike Conley more than the next guy, and you guys know it probably to a fault. I like this Mike Conley guy. Absolutely, to a fault. Continue. But but that's what I'm saying. So, like, I don't even know if the Rockets would consider that worth it. Like, Daryl Morey is willing to risk it all. We know this. They already have Chris Paul. Right. And they're paying him for We're assuming he's going to come back at some point. They're paying him for another four years after this. So, like... That's so insane. Can you imagine paying Mike Conley and Chris Paul $20 million plus for the next three to five years? Like, that is $66 million combined between those two players if you had them on your team. I feel Plus Harden, bad. those three players already max out your cap. That's it. All I the rest is luxury tax. Land, okay. I feel personally attacked. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, I I was just saying from a pure like team standpoint, like they could use a guy right now. I think I think I know the team. It's no, team, it's another team that is in the state of Texas, and it's a team oh, that Mike okay. Conley would seemingly fit right in with. Oh, the San Antonio Spurs. That Continue. is correct. They're running out Derek White and Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills to play point guard. And granted, those guys are Spurs-type players. They are, right? But yep. Mike Conley is undoubtedly better than them. And if there's a guy who has never played uh, a minute of basketball for the Spurs but plays Spurs basketball, I think it might be Mike Conley. So uh, maybe it's another team in Texas. Maybe it's the Mavericks and Dennis Smith Jr., you know, maybe uh, the Mavericks say, you "Hey, do the, hey you we'll do take Dennis Mike Smith Conley. Jr., Wesley Matthews, and like a pick to get Mike Conley." And, I'm just saying, the Mavs are a playoff team. If you ask me, uh, if you put those guys together, yeah, I'd say so. Luka Doncic can can handle the ball a lot. Conley can play off the ball, handle it when Luka don't have it. That's, they both could play off the ball. I, th- I feel like that sounded kind of interesting to me. I don't know. Maybe it's another team in Texas. Pretty cool. Um. Yeah, fuck Harden though. <laughs> fuck Harden and the Rockets. Come on. That's where we're going now. No, 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 no. Before we get to that point, because I know you don't want to make it again, Marcus All <laughs> though, I'm really struggling here to find a team that he can fit for. With the money being, even put the money aside for a second now, 
would a team like the Lakers appreciate the the services of Marcus All? I think they would, but I think they want to make a push at Boogie next year, and make, going at Gasol this year would totally undermine that. So that's why I don't think they would. But I mean, yeah, I mean they signed Tyson Chandler. You know, Javale McGee, for some like, experience. Marcus All is better defender than Javale McGee. He can stretch the floor with the three ball a little bit. I mean, it still absolutely blows my mind that the Lakers had the exact center they needed last year and just let them walk for nothing in Brooke Lopez, who's now shooting seven or eight threes a game for the Bucks at an incredible clip. Splash Mountain, baby. And every time Splash Mountain puts a three in the hoop, I just say, Lakers, you blew it. I feel blew like LeBron, LeBron loses one air off the top of his head every time Brooke Lopez makes a three. <laughs> and every time Lonzo misses a free throw. <laughs> oh, what is no. he shoot? is he is he at 60 percent yet is he above no. no was is he at 50 i don't know it's embarrassing though actually across the nba it used to be just the big men now it's across the nba foul shooting has been atrocious this year and honestly i don't want to talk about it because i can go on for days about how much it bugs me and i'm sure that other people are not as uh, entertained or whatever by by foul th- free throws as I am. You know, he's, he's shooting 42% on one attempt per game. Oh, Jesus. man. That's one dumb. attempt. He's like the Ben Simmons of free throws. Ooh, it's very <laughs> rough. It's very rough. Oh, man. Ugh. Um, but, I mean, to your point, Pete, there definitely are teams that can use an upgrade at center. Um. These guys, are, I feel like these two are like the the Bradley Beal and John Wall of the West, where it's just like these two. Not that like Beal is is worth the money, but like m- more so John Wall, like just kind of two guys who we heard were on the block early in the season, but due to the size of their contracts, would be just such a chore to try to move unless you have like a seriously inflated expiring contract, like a Wesley Matthews making twenty three million. Yeah, and you also have to be willing to eat the immediate loss because nobody's going to pay what they're worth for their contract. Mm-hmm. And by like the way, guys, since uh, <clears throat> since we're talking about uh, centers and players in the Western Conference at the moment, I just got two updates on my phone here as we record this podcast Tuesday night around 10, 15, 10, 30. Um, not very good look here for Anthony Davis. Um, Sham Serenia, not Woj, but Shams says that New Orleans Pelican star Anthony Davis will see a hand specialist with the fear of a volar plate avulsion. Ooh, that's a big word. Yeah, same. Uh, Fracture in his left index finger. Agent Rich Paul tells The Athletic it's confirmed that Anthony Davis will miss likely two to four weeks. Oof. So what you're saying, the Pelicans should trade for Marcus (laughs) Hall? No, no, no. no. I don't know what I'm saying. I am saying that Anthony Davis being traded right now. I don't know if that's more likely, less likely, or what, but the Pelicans... Well, it's less, right? He has to be healthy to be traded, no? Yeah, but the Pelicans yes, may does. just be ready to blow it up now. Uh, he comes back in two weeks. The Lakers are going to take him off their hands. Who knows? And also... Yeah, but it's the same thing with Kevin Love. Like, Ke- Kevin Love can't be traded until he, like, plays, right? Isn't that a rule? You can't trade injured guys? That is correct. You cannot do that. Um, so, this is really great news. Like, the timing of this injury is great news for the Celtics. That is that is true. It allows them to get to the offseason when they can actually trade for Anthony Davis. That's very interesting. Also, another update on my phone here. Luka Doncic goes Hulk Hogan on his jersey. 
Doncic takes out his frustrations on the uniform and ends up shredded. What? Hey, he ripped his shirt off. Neither of us are watching this game here, but uh, in the past I just week, watched that highlight, actually. I got the same notification. Doncic has now kicked the ball into the stands and got fined $10,000 and also ripped his jersey into shreds. Um, what's going Seems on? Seems like his rookie wall is more like mental and antics rather than like physical play. What's going on you know with that I boy? Think it is? I think he, he heard me say that he's in James Harden and he was feeling it and he hasn't been getting any foul anything and he's like i'm the european james harden call these fucking fouls you know <laughs> that's that's what he's saying yeah he, he emailed me <laughs> oh good i'm glad yeah. i mean i don't blame him he deserves he deserves the foul calls <laughs> he does <laughs> I, of course there's just two updates though i, I had to throw them out there because they are breaking nba twitter news and nba twitter news can be serious not serious and as we saw from those two updates one serious with an injury another one not so serious with a guy just being a guy Guys being dudes, as they say. Guys, Euro, being- uh, European LeBron purposely ripping his jersey. Like LeBron, wasn't that in the finals? He like ripped the sleeves, or was that on Christmas? That was uh, Christmas. Christmas with the with the, the half sleeve yeah. jerseys. You know those those weird looking things. Those yeah. things sucked. Wow. I, I was, I was never out on them those. when they first came out, and it was like, no. They didn't make any they sense. Play basketball in a short sleeve shirt. Yeah, that's called practice, bro. The only short sleeve jerseys that I actually messed with were the all white Thunder jerseys. Those were fresh. Those were the only short sleeve jerseys that looked good, in my opinion. I hated all of them just from a functional standpoint. Like they just no way they're comfortable. Fair enough. I actually wrote a paper in college about why the NBA shouldn't go to short sleeve jerseys. <laughs> that's what you get. Uh. I got a B. It was like the the intro writing course. There you go. B's, uh, B's get degrees, yeah. Frank. That's right. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Um, we got one more thing to talk about here, though, on the NBA Outsiders podcast. John Lucas Duffy, Frank Filani, and your boy P. Kennedy here. And the last thing we want to talk about is uh, in regards to a guy we mentioned already today and uh, his maybe biggest competition in the MVP race, and that's James Harden and Giannis. So over these past, what, month? of games now that James Harden has gone absolutely bonkers. A lot of people have inserted him as the front runner for the MVP in the NBA. But before that, it was pretty much all headed towards Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? And Giannis hasn't slowed down. He's actually done just as well. The Bucks are still on fire, one of the best teams in the league. They have the highest net rating in the league. So are we being a little bit quick to a conclusion here by inserting James Harden as the MVP? Does Giannis still deserve the love? And how do you guys see their seasons playing out from this point on, from a team-wide standpoint, team success to individual success? Well, the so, thing about Giannis is he's he's averaging 26.5 and 12.5 and rebounds like and six assists. He hasn't slowed down. He's been, he's had the same average like throughout the entire season, which is an absurd stat line. But, like... I feel like James Harden is like blowing past him right now. Because over his last four games, he's scored 200 points. He's averaging 50 points a game in his last four games. Me, me too. You too? Yeah, me too. Uh, but, I mean, once, once a guy starts doing stuff like that, the only people ahead of him in the record books are Wilt Chamberlain, like that's special. That's something really special. And that's kind of why I've flipped on the whole James Harden's boring to watch type of thing. It's like, it's never boring when you watch something completely historic. Like when people complain about the Warriors, it's like, 
it, it's like awe-inspiring when you win 73 games in a regular season. When you're averaging 50 points a game over a four-point or a four-game stretch, like like four games doesn't sound like a lot, but 50 points a game, like I don't, no, no one's done that since Will. Yeah, I mean it's unprecedented for sure, and then like anybody that's hating on what right now, like, uh I, I personally don't see it. Like, it's it's entertainment at its highest value. It's this guy going out, putting a team on his back. Literally anybody of, like, value that anybody else mentions about them, like, you know, they're hurt or, you know, not playing where they could be playing or, you know, having down years in Eric Gordon or whatever. But this guy's coming in night after night and putting on performances that, like, I don't know. I feel like if you were at the game live, you'd be like, wow, that's one lifetime ever see that again and then the next night he does it again it's one of the most impressive things without a doubt and i think i've been talking about it a little bit and i want to hit it here like watching him on a nightly basis and people complaining about how fun it is to watch him and it's you know some saying it's not fun at all i definitely understand like how you could get bored watching him like oh he came into my town i watched my team play and that's it. I don't watch NBA games. But, like, you truly don't get the whole picture if you're only watching him play against your team. And I get why you would hate watching and say he's boring to watch against your team because, yeah, he's probably going to take 20 free throws against your team and he's probably going to drop 50 points and he's probably going to beat you, you know, 20 times in a half-court offense, which is not what everybody wants to see. Everybody wants to see, you know, dunks and three-pointers. But, like, you know, he'll hold the ball for 20 seconds and then shoot the three-pointer. So I get, like, you know, if he's coming into your city for one night, you'd be like, ah, I don't want to watch this. this. guy's just going to fucking take free throws the whole game. Yeah, I guess that's boring to you. But when you realize he's doing it on a night-in, night-out basis, it's like it's like you said, it's unprecedented. Like, he's doing things that Wilt Chamberlain did against, like, career fucking construction workers who also happen to play basketball every once in a while. And he's doing it against probably the highest competition the NBA has ever seen. It's absurd and, and another thing to add to that he's not just doing it against nba competition he's doing it against nba competition who are gunning out to stop him like defenses have been throwing every technique available at the houston rockets and it hasn't slowed him down a bit over this ridiculous 30 point every single game for the past 20 or was it 19 now 19 games in a row he scored 30 points no, I think it's up to 20 now. Is it 20? He's up to 20 now? So over yeah. this 20-game stretch, he is getting zone defenses. He's getting double teams just run at him, and he's playing without his second-best player, a lot of games without his third-best player, and a lot of games without his fourth-best player. He's literally running out there with his secondary help as P.J. Tucker and Austin Rivers. They had to steal Kenneth Fareed from the Nets. He couldn't get minutes on the Nets, and now they're going to start running him out there for 30 minutes a night. That Kenneth Fareed hasn't Harden's played basketball doing. in like three years. <laughs> exactly. He hasn't been a relevant player since uh, two years before he was let go from Denver. So, like, he was buried on Denver's bench for like almost two seasons before he got buried on Brooklyn's bench. And now he's one of James Harden's most important players over his first two games with them. So, he's not just doing it against great competition, he's doing it against great competition whose literally only worry is how to slow him down, and they still can't do it. So that's what I'm seeing when I watch James Harden. And you guys know for the past three years I've been 
way up this guy's ass. Let's be honest. Like I've been as big a James Harden fan out there since he's joined Houston, especially since he should have won an MVP, uh, maybe Steph Curry's first MVP year, and I think he definitely should have won the one that Russell Westbrook won, but I get it, triple-double, blah, 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 right? He finally got the MVP yeah. he deserved last year, and what does he do after winning an MVP and hearing how he's not clutch and can't win in the playoffs? He's too tired. His 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 play is not sustainable. He goes out there without Chris Paul for a, a chunk of games and keeps this Rockets team afloat when their season was moments away from going in the gutter when they couldn't even get into the eight seed. Now they're chilling in the top five of the West. They seem to be set to just continue a good, decent pace until Chris Paul and Capella get back but because this guy is that good. And it, it's really it's unprecedented, like you guys said. And when you think about other players in the league that he deserves to be in the conversation with, it is LeBron, it is Kawhi, it is Durant, it is Giannis. Like, he is just as important to any team as anybody in the league, and, and he deserves the credit. And I don't want to—I'm over the whole boring style, blah, 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 because when you really watch him, when you really sit down and watch an entire game— he controls a game like no one else can in the entire NBA. So let's break this down a little bit from a historical perspective here. That someone, you know, 35 points a game has happened nine times in a, in a season. 35 points a game in a season. And I'm looking on basketball reference. So since like 1978, whenever they really just like keep official stats, whatever. I uh, know it's got older stuff on here. Anyway, it's happened nine times. Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan did it twice. Kobe Bryant did it once. Rick Barry has done it once. And then Will Chamberlain has done it five times. Five times. Anytime you're mentioned in like that specific company, you're like this, this season is going to be like in the pantheon of all time, great NBA seasons. And he won the MVP last year. He had 30 points a game. Uh, what would it like five five rebounds, like almost nine assists, and this season, yeah, this season he he's got almost thirty six points a game, eight assists, six rebounds. He's playing thirty seven minutes. He's shooting thirty eight percent from three. Like what? What more do you want from this guy? He's, he's making ten free throws a game. He's making ten. He's taking almost twelve. He's making ten. He's getting ten free points every game. Yeah. I mean, with all this being said, I'm going to walk this back to a little bet we've made here on the NBA Outsiders, uh, where Pete's throwing up the NBA League Pass subscription for the Rockets to make it out of the first round. And I think, you know, as impressive as this run has been and all that stuff, uh, this is the definition of hero ball. This is hero ball working. And... What do we always say about Hero Ball? It doesn't matter. It doesn't work when it counts. So be ready to pay up, Pete, because if James Harden has to continue to score 50 points for his team to have a chance to win, they'll be having an early exit, brother. So you're Thank not you. backing off at all. You're not backing off this. I, I'm not backing not off. One I'm iota. fucking doubling down. Double, this, I'm tripling. This proves my point even further. The Rockets are like the best regular season team. And then it comes to the playoffs, and everybody actually cares about every single defensive possession, and fouls aren't so ticky tacky. Ooh, they're in trouble, brother. Ooh. All right. So you let me let me add two things here. So you say that like 
like James Harden's numbers absolutely plummet in the playoffs. Now, granted, his efficiency goes down, but basically every player in the history of the NBA, their efficiency goes down when it comes to playoff time. Like you said, fouls are a little bit tighter. Oh, yeah, because you, you're playing more calls. for wins and stats, too. That's part of it, for it, sure. Exactly. Right. So you're telling me that if James Harden is this incredible to keep them in the four-seed, five-seed range, which right now they're two games out of being the three-seed in the Western Conference, by the way, you're telling me that if Chris Paul doesn't uh, come back by playoff time, because you know if their playoff seeding is looking pretty decent, they're not going to force him back until he's ready. If Clint Capella is back and healthy for playoffs, if Eric Gordon looks anything like the Eric Gordon of the past two seasons, that you don't trust this team to go into San Antonio and win a playoff series, that you don't trust this team to go in against the Clippers and win a playoff series, you don't trust this team against the Portland Trailblazers who got swept by the boogie-less Pelicans last year to go in and win a playoff series, like that is where you guys lose me because you guys just came out here on this podcast and praised James Harden for the past 15 minutes. It's incredible, unstoppable. Yeah, because it's all in the regular season, bud. So so when his help comes back, when his help returns, you're telling me that he's going to be so bad that they can't beat an average team. Like, but I'm telling you, how long is Chris Paul going to be back for? That's the question. If he comes back, like, I, you, you really can't imagine a scenario in which he overexerts himself in the in the playoffs to well, the point where he tweaks something else again. Of like, co- especially I, if they get into like a grind six game series where he's got to be playing like forty, like not forty, like above thirty five minutes, thirty eight minutes a game. Of course, it's possible. I think- I'm sorry to cut you off, but my point is just, like, they're so reliant on this one guy. And, yeah, they're missing all these pieces, and they have to be reliant on this guy. But, like, when does it become a habit? Like, why is it going to change so much when Chris Paul and Capella came back? They've been better without them, kind of like you said. So, like, I I don't know. I just feel like they're going to fall into this trap of falling in love. Like, wow, look what he can do, as opposed to, like, necessarily, like, what is – what is best for for Rockets basketball and winning this championship? Well, right they now. definitely haven't been better without Clint Capella. Clint Capella has been hurt for no, much, much of the time. Agreed. When Clint Capella is in, Harden's assist numbers are much better. Uh, his scoring is still insanely ridiculous, but his assist numbers are better. That's maybe who knows, maybe twelve easy points a game out of Clint Capella, just getting easy lobs or easy cuts to the to the basket or offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounds, exactly. So Clint Capella undoubtedly makes his team better. And as you saw in this game against the Lakers, which they went to overtime, Eric Gordon hit the shot to tie it to go into OT. Eric Gordon basically took over in overtime last year. And we saw when Chris Paul went out last year that Eric Gordon can be a second playmaker when needed. And if he's the third playmaker with Chris Paul even being slightly healthy, like this team is that good. Like they're that good. They had the Warriors on the brinks last year, and we forget that. And I know it's easy to say, oh, James Harden, hero ball, he's just going to continue that and it's going to run dry. Or this dude who knows how much his reputation now relies on playoffs because, granted, you know his offensive stuff in the regular season has been fantastic for years now. He is not dumb. He is one of those stars who wants to be known as the top tier, as one of the greatest of all time. Daryl Morey, yeah. Morey ain't calling him the best offensive shooting guard of all time just for him to go out in the first round. Like He knows as much as anybody that when it comes to winning time in the playoffs, he needs to be the team guy. And he needs First to be all, that player. He and maybe even a shooting and hold guard, on. bro. Oh, he's a point guard. He I agree. But anyway. And second of all, and second of all, this is all fine and dandy, but like the other day James Harden came out and 
said in public that his goal was to win a second MVP. And I don't have an issue with that being someone's personal goal. But how is it the first thing you translate? Like, how could the first thing not be like, I want to win a championship? Especially when you've already won the MVP. Yeah, like to me, that's indicative of somebody who's ready to exit first round, baby. Because he knows. But every every other interview, warrior. every other, or inter- someone with realistic expectations is like, eh, this year we're probably not going to cut it. And every other interview that he has, they say, maybe you know, James, you don't really do a lot of talking about yourself. This is literally the interview after the Lakers game when he had forty eight points, didn't go for the free throws at the end, and let Eric Gordon ice the game. They asked him, you know, you you uh, don't always talk a lot about yourself during this streak here. So what can you say uh, you've been feeling throughout this entire stretch? And the first things out of his mouth was, my teammates, man, they allow me to do all this stuff. They allow me to to be the player I am and, and blah, blah, blah. So literally the first thing he says I'm not saying he's a bad teammate. The teammates. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. You th- but like, you're saying I think his priorities in his basketball career aren't what they need to be for him to be a successful champion. I mean, he can be an MVP and he can be all this, but I, I don't think with a mentality like that, that you'll be a champion. We're talking about winning a first round series, by the way. Let me just remind you that. No, true, true. Fine, I mean, but that's, like, that's, you, you're that's, talking about like if they play the Blazers, but like if the seeding shakes out and the the Spurs pass the Rockets, like we don't know how long Chris Paul is going to be out for, Clint Capella, and then who knows when they come back if they don't tweak something again, you know, like, and they might just say, Screw it, we'll save it for the playoffs. And even if they start dropping down the seating and then the Spurs slide up in front of them, and then who do they have to play in the first round? The Thunder. I don't think they can beat the Thunder on like having to play on the road, especially if by some miracle Andre Roberson ever plays basketball again. Yeah. I'm, 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 I, I agree with you, Pete, like to your point. Like, yeah, I, it's a bet. You know, it's a little bit wonky for a reason. Yeah. Like, they should get out of the first round, to be honest. Like, me and Duff have the worst part of this bet. But, I mean, like, this last specific part of the argument, I feel like I'm talking more championship round. Like, you know, like, w- what we actually want to hear about when we talk about Harden and the Rockets, like, going for it all. And I just feel like... That's fair. Yeah, I just feel like at this point in his career, he should be at a point where, I don't know, you don't have to say that sort of thing. Like, his play on the court... I think to me has said enough that yeah, James Harden's going for that MVP. You know, I didn't need him to reaffirm that for me. What I would have re I would have liked to hear, not that I even need to hear, but I would have liked to hear him say something like, Yeah, you know what, like I want a ring really, really fucking bad. Like worse than worse than I wanna breathe. Like something like that to me would be like, Oh shit. You know? I don't know. No, I know what that okay. makes him sound like when in that one particular quote and I, I know we're extrapolating a lot out of this. You are. Russell Westbrook. Yeah, is that what you're going to say? Carmelo Anthony. Oh. Yes. Oh. Oh. Man. Spot the lie. God damn. I can't. Except, I can't spot it. Carmelo was close to one MVP. He almost had one. That was like Carmelo. Remember that time he almost had an MVP and he almost made it to the finals? <clears throat> and people love to talk about you that. Mean, that was awesome. Almost made it to the conference championship. Nah, he made one conference. The same way that gold medals are almost as important as the, as the finals, oh, even man. though they're like just not. Oh man, <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't hard. Pete, Pete was so Pete. I remember you drinking the Olympic mellow Kool Aid so so hard in college. What when he joined the Thunder or when he's on the Knicks still? What are you talking about here? No, when we were in college, like uh, your junior year. 
Yeah, so he was. Yeah, when Melo was still. In the I remember Knicks, having battles with you about that when he was still in the Knicks. You're saying when he was actually a real. Yeah, I know. Athletic. I know you were just trying to like. I know it was less about Melo and more about like trying to be optimistic about the Knicks. No, no, I'm but saying, like when, there were people who were like on the vantage point who were like basically Carmelo stands the same way that there are Kobe stands, like nah, not to that let, extent, let me, let me but bre- that, that's what those certain people were saying. Let me break it down for you. When Carmelo was uh, Olympic, when he was even still Olympic, Melo. He was an actual athletic person who played basketball. This person who we talk about today is not an athletic person who can play basketball, being that the Bulls are waving him and who knows when he'll actually suit up again. Like that, that mellow back in what was it, like even 2016, three, four years ago, 2015, 14, like he still was a guy who you threw on the Knicks who had zero talent and the Knicks accidentally won 30 games, like because he was good enough to put them in that spot. Like, I know it's so easy to pile on him right now, but when you truly take to who he was for entire seasons of basketball, whether it be with the Nuggets or his early years with the Knicks, he was a walking guaranteed 35 to 40 wins. And if his team was even remotely competent, it was 45, 48, 50 wins. Like that's just facts. That's just factual basketball. What happened in real life? Like, that's like uh, you can't forget that. You can't just take that away from the guy because he aged like a horrible bum. I will bum. pile on this man, and I will take everything he has ever owned because he... I've piled and took for years. I This is not a new thing. Since I learned who Carmelo Anthony was, I was out. Cause he I said like, no. Because he aged like a bum. You're taking away like 10. I'm taking nothing. I, no, I'm taking everything. Away. Yeah. But I've always been doing that. Okay. What team in the NBA could use a box that can shoot why are we talking about carmelo anthony today that's not what we're talking about if you're talking about james harden and comparing him to carmelo anthony you can't I know, talk about carmelo anthony today. this yeah. is this is just me being like uh like like that Chappelle show skit where it's just like the player haters ball it's like i hate him i hate his guts i hate you i hate you i don't even know you and i hate your guts <laughs> no but i mean i i think it's like at, at anything it's a fair it's not even fair but like it's interesting that when you talk about Harden's legacy right now, like I feel like Carmelo Anthony is the is the most adjacent you can make. Except that Harden is already better than him ever than than Melo ever was. I, how, I'm many, not, how many I'm Western? Not, I'm, I'm saying more. he has two Western Conference Finals already. By the way, I know if I forgot you, about the one where you, he wasn't the guy. If That's you, why no, I stopped no, no, that no, 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 wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. He has three if you count the one in the Thunder. So if you discount the one with the Thunder, he has two with the Rockets. Oh, true. Where they Fuck. came back from 3-1 against the Clippers and knocked out Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and that crew. And then last yep. year as I, well. I, yeah. For some reason, I always forget about that one. Yes, because you guys are haters and don't want to hear the I'm truth. Not, uh, look, let me truth. finish my damn point. Uh, but I forget my damn point. You ain't got a but damn basically, point. Basically, what I was going to say, like, the, the, the point in comparing these two is they're like these super unique offensive talents that, like you said, have like can carry teams, right? And they just haven't pushed it to that next limit yet. That's that's the reason they're in the same category. That's all. I get it, kind of. I'll, I'll allow it for now because uh, really, it's, like, it's all, like it's what, a, a, what an MVP is to James, what a scoring title was to Carmelo Anthony. I guess. I guess. I guess it is because you know James Harden's assist numbers mean nothing and whatever, all that stuff. Yeah, I get it. Hey, win some playoff rounds. He did. He just did. He just won two playoff rounds and almost a third. All right. Win a championship. 
All right, give me that. Give me that. Well, I love watching James Harden. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, I just, you know, same. this is just some, this is just some, you know, some gamesmanship about this bet we got going. I can't yeah. wait for the Rockets to get the freaking Clippers or the Spurs or the Blazers. And, and, and just you better hope they don't them. get the Spurs. Are you kidding me? Oh, they'll take the Spurs. I, the, you really want to put them against it, the Spurs? Oh yeah. I want it to be one of the teams that you're that you're mentioning right now, and I still want them to lose to one of the teams so bad, just so it's a beam. I'll be way more nervous if they end up against the Thunder, Jazz, or Lakers, and LeBron's healthy. I'll just say that. Even though they beat, I don't think there's any way they can get matched up with the if Jazz. They play the Clippers what do you in the mean? first round and lose. I'm never playing for league pass again. You're paying for it the rest <laughs> of my life in perpetuity. <laughs> the Jazz are only one game back from the Rockets right now in eighth place. We'll get AC in on this. He'll draw out the contracts. The Lakers are only two <laughs> games back from the Rockets right now in ninth place. Okay, so this is very tight. There's a lot of movement to happen here in the Western Conference standings. All right, there's a lot that's going down. We're going to be tracking this over the course of the season, and someone else who will be tracking this apparently is James Harden as he goes for his second MVP. Should be his fourth or third. Who's counting though? You are apparently. Clearly. Anyways, Should be his third. Anyways. <laughs> NBA Outsiders, Sports Block New York Podcast. This is a good one, boys. We got a little heated at the end, but that's how I like hey, it's it. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. You gotta air it out sometimes, bro. Absolutely. And Duff, since you uh, blew it last time we did a pod with this segment of the show, any last words? Um... <laughs> Oh, oh, so I I sent you guys uh, an Instagram post. I think it was today, actually. Uh, DeAndre Ayton posted posted a picture with him and Kelly Oubre. Like, (laughs) man, if I was not already out enough on that guy... It's over. His career, stick a fork in him. He is done. He is absolutely done. His new best friend is Kelly Oubre. It is over. (laughs) You you calling Kwame Brown on Ayton right now? Kwame Brown is a Hall of Famer compared to DeAndre Ayton's future career. <laughs> All right, Duff. Last week you, you brought no heat on the any last word segment of the show. Possibly too much heat this you, time. You might have brought too much heat, but you balance it out. Next time will be just the right amount of heat, I assume. We can only hope. Anyways, my, John, my final word oh, would be I want to know exactly what kind of weed Mike Beasley was smoking before he tried to check in the game in his practice shorts. <laughs> We'll never know. What Probably the same, the same Andrew Wiggins was when, before when he forgot to put on his fucking jersey. <laughs> oh, man. Damn shame. That made me laugh. Like it made me cackle because he like he really didn't know. He really didn't know. He was, and like, he is the, the exact guy, guy that you think would do that. <laughs> yeah, he's the epitome of it. And, like, so on brand. Like usually, usually you know you'll snap your pants off and you'll look down. You'd be like, oh shit, or you'll take your warm up shirt off. You'd be like. Oh shit! And you start running back. He took it off. He clapped his hands. He shook his boy's hand. He was ready to get in, and someone was like, "Bro, you all right? You gotta change your shorts." <laughs> so good. It was so good. Oh man! Hopefully this episode was as good as that, right? So, and yeah, outsiders, <laughs> John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Vladi, Pete Kennedy. Thank y'all for listening. <laughs>